Hey guys, again, welcome back. So today, a couple movies, a couple game things, just a, I don't know, big old stew of things, as it were. Um, I'm again going to preemptively apologize for the roaring air conditioner, because, you know, it's that or deal with the heat, and I'm just not about sitting and dealing with the heat. Um, it's actually been kind of a global phenomenon of, of heat waves in uh, Europe, so in a lot of the usually cooler countries like Poland, uh, Estonia, and uh, even more Mediterranean places like Italy and Greece. It actually caused a really uh, terrible fire and there's some fatalities in Italy, which was a shame. But um, yeah, it's just very humid where I live. I guess <laughs> when you say that by comparison, it doesn't really sound as bad, but I assure you it's very uncomfortable. Anywho, um, I have been getting into sort of the Ant-Man catch-up, because I loved Ant-Man. I saw it about a week ago, and it was amazing. It's uh, really funny. I would say it's one of those sequels that's probably better than its uh, progenitor. I think um, it's very much like Guardians of the Galaxy 2, in that it just offers more in the same vein of what you expect, so it's almost hard to compare them. But if it weren't in the same style, I don't think it would be watchable, it wouldn't be what you wanted, so I think it's uh, kind of a fun line there, but uh, Ant-Man's great, Paul Rudd is, is timeless, both in his humor and his face, because he just never seems to age, he's a handsome guy, but it just like, defies uh, good sense, <laughs> he's in the fountain of youth somewhere, um, but it's really funny, it's, it's more about... Um, the larger story that includes Hank Pym and Hope Van Dyne. And it's it's great. Uh, I forget her name, I think Evangeline Lilly or something. She's funny, she's great. Um, the John Pena, I think his name is, is really funny. They stepped it up with his inclusion and the uh, sidekick security brigade. But they were they were great. Overall, like, it's really... Um, <clears throat> I would describe it as the really sweet dessert after a huge, like, Mandarin-style feast. Because Infinity War was just... Infinity War lay it on. Like, you saw that movie, and, and everything happened to everybody, and you walked out, like, exhausted, emotionally drained. I mean, the guy beside me was out of breath for half the movie. And I can't say that I, I wasn't indulging in that a little bit myself. I was... Like, the first time Cap shows up in the airport, I was, like, like looking over... And the people beside me, like that SpongeBob meme, I'm like yes, <laughs> like still uh, get the sensation a little bit. But it had become uh, it had become so serious, and the stakes were so high in Infinity War that you have this amazing uh, movie and and it achieves so much, and so much happens, and it's very heavy. And then afterwards, for the next thing to be Ant Man, which was just a loosely affiliated but extremely funny version of a Marvel movie, it was such a tonic. It really was great. Um, I won't spoil it too much, because it's still in theaters. Um, it is similarly themed as the first one. Uh, you have Paul Rudd, who's you know running with the law for good reasons, so he's under house arrest, and he's got some um, blowback for helping Cap in Germany, which 
it's nice that he sticks up for that because as, as people who uh, listen to this show a lot know I'm a big Captain America fan and I think it, it, to be a fan of Captain America is more to be a fan of his ideals and it's nice to see that because a lot of people do question that to put that um, argument to film that uh, Hope grills him about how he could do that and you know making the right choices and he sticks by that which is great for whatever it's worth for him um, obviously some people say as a convicted criminal he's maybe not a great role model but um, no the the movie is great in that theme too a lot of like uh, giving convicts jobs and second chances which is an important theme that's not something I really know a personal ton about but and I looked into that and it's um, obviously it's uh, it's probably pretty shitty especially if let's say you didn't do it or you had something minor and you were given a bad sentence like I get it <laughs> That's rough. Um, but, yeah. Very cool to see Michael Douglas in a super suit. It was tasteful, it was bulky, it was kind of old, so it wasn't like a, let's put him in some vacuum lock, like super, you know, sealed in there super suit, where, you know, it's like muscles and, you know, that's just not... I don't want to see him wearing, like, the Pacific Rim pilot outfit, you know what I mean? I want to see something that... Yeah, so it was cool. It was, like, this bulky, old-timey, uh... Um... Get-up, and, uh... It was cool to see the tribal survivalist wasp outfit, too, and they found, uh... I guess a spoiler alert <laughs> inadvertently when they when they find... I'll keep it vague, who it is they were looking for. Uh, i probably give it away anyway. Um, it does make you ask several questions that I hope get addressed. Um, first and foremost, how said person I just mentioned got those powers, and, and what those powers are is something I'd really like to have addressed, just because you're going to like the continuously very small verse, the microverse, or whatever it is, the um, quantum realm <laughs> microverse. Uh, magic school bus could only go that deep um, it seems very interstellar in that when you get to like it doesn't matter where or what it is when you get to like a certain level of it whether in space or in a microscopic type way things just get all quote magic-y I mean I don't know I don't really care, because in, in the Marvel Universe we have such outlandish and magical things to begin with, so you could just tell me she got spirit magic from whatever, and there was Asgard dust there. Not really gonna um, buck any ideas, but I was surprised an explanation was not offered, especially as she's a scientist, he's a scientist, Hope is pretty sure a scientist, if not she runs a science conglomerate, and... Uh, is Scott a scientist? Yeah, he is. He has like a master's in science. I don't. He's not like actively in the field, but anyway, <laughs> got mad off track. The after credit scene is really the only thing of, of substance I want to talk about because the rest, don't get me wrong, is is great. But it's just a really funny, silly movie. It's got some loose associations to Avengers, which is great. It's enough to keep it fresh and remind you that they're in the same shared universe. But it's mostly a silly Paul Rudd, almost like family bonding movie. And it's cute. It it works. It's great. And uh, the end credit scene is is amazing because you're sitting there the entire time, 
100%. Anyone, any MCU fan worth their salt is sitting there in that entire film thinking like, okay, where the fuck is the snap? Is it referenced? What's going on? Like, what am I watching? And you get nothing. And, like, it's, it's so into the movie that eventually you just forget. Because you've seen the whole thing and events have concluded. And you're like, okay, moving on. And the after credit scene starts in this really nice uh, family science hangout. And you think it's a kind of a joke about how they put the lab in the back of the van. But Scott enters the quantum realm and uh, Hank, Janet, and Hope are the ones um, controlling his rig and able to put him in and out. And without any warning or indication, suddenly like their radio goes dead. And so we see Scott calling to them in the quantum realm, and then it pulls out, and it's like we see them, or what used to be them, is now floating ashes, like, by the van lab thing. So that's fucking awesome. Again, I mean, I'm always 1,000% ready night or day to talk about Infinity War. So it comes back to Infinity War. Obviously, these characters are not dead, but it's really frustrating to speculate what Disney's going to do, because it seems so limited. It seems like either they have literally the biggest movie-making balls I would ever see, and these are actual fatalities, and these characters stay dead and never come back, in which case, like, I applaud Disney. That's amazing. But it's just not going to happen. It's just so unfeasible. The popularity of the characters they killed off, the sheer fan enjoyment and love, and normally, I mean, that's not... That's not what drives studios, the love of the fandoms, unfortunately. They're my very better slash different studios, but it it's just financial gain and and revenue potential and these characters are flourishing. These are like top of the golden age of superhero cinema. So you're gonna take like Chadwick Boseman, who just was the helm of the most important like African American film of all time slash African-American superhero film. Like, it was just, it was a cultural phenomenon. You're going to take this guy and kill him off. You're going to kill off Spider-Man, who is, like, your number one charting cinematic superhero right now and, and love Tom Holland. Like, he's just loved. It's all his appearances. He was only in half of Civil War. He's just, he's, he's nailed the Spider-Man role. Everyone's kind of unanimous on that. You're going to take, uh, you know, Groot, who's probably <laughs> been substantially the most lovable and memorable character of the Guardians of the Galaxy. It just, you're killing off characters that you could do without. You could certainly move into phase whatever it is and, and birth them differently and have people step up. I mean, you can always have, like, Shuri becomes Black Panther and you have, uh, that's a thing in the comics too, but she had those paws. I mean, she's obviously, they're, they're, they're aware of something's going to happen. Um... I would say for Groot, they'll probably introduce something new or, I don't know, they could find a branch of him somewhere. I don't really know how that shit works. Um, You can always do that sort of next generation of heroes to replace them, but I think what they're going to do if they end up keeping to these deaths is they're just going to fill it with new characters, either like new additions or... The children of these characters, like Cassie Lang and stuff, and just they're gonna fill their rosters with different, you know, 
just a whole clean slate because I think uh, I think that might be a, the only way to play that. But I don't think they're going to be dead. That's the thing. I think it's a it's a farce. I think it would be way too hard for Disney to kill those characters because at the end of the day they are too loved. So no matter how they play it or spin it, I think whether it's they fucking wind up in the soul gem because everyone that's been killed by the gauntlet is in stored in the gem and somebody at some point defeats Thanos and either dumps them all out by controlling the gauntlet or like the stone dumps them out. 1000% that is my number one theory. Like I, you know, with the dinosaurs for the longest time, I think they said they couldn't confirm it was an asteroid or maybe they still can't, but it was like the accepted number one. That is my accepted number one is that, something something soul gem because that's definitely where he saw Gamora and the baby Gamora so I don't know if these people are spirits or specters or I don't know I don't know if we're going to see any of um, the comic the uh, Infinity War comic with that character I totally fuck up remember the name she like it looks like a woman with the cyberpunk kind of weapon I don't know, Reaver or something. I don't know. She fucking kills Thanos and cuts off his arm or gauntlet or something. So maybe she shows up. I don't know. You have too many characters slash too many beloved characters to wipe them out. So it's all about how Disney plays it. But Ant-Man makes you really have to understand that it affected all their franchises because obviously Nick Fury... And uh, uh, Kobe Smulders, you see afterwards, but now it's as far-reaching as you know. We, we've, we've killed off Michael Douglas and uh, um, Evangeline Lilly and Catwoman, um, <laughs> Michelle Pfeiffer. It was a little distracting. I don't know why for her because she's maybe I've been unaware of her work, but it seems like she's been in nothing and then suddenly pop up. And she remarkably still to me looks like she did in that movie, you know, Sans the Latex S&M Gatsuit. But I'm a, I was a fan. She did a really good job of that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, of Batman, I think I got on long enough on Amen and the Wasp. I think people are going to fucking have seen it by now anyway. And everyone's upset by... Um, how fun it is to live with a giant ant that we can't have in real life. Um, but no, for the DCU, DCCU? Yeah, I guess it would be DCCU. I don't know if people say that. But the, D the, <laughs> the DC movies, those superhero movies that aren't Marvel. Um, there's obviously been the talk of uh, Ben Affleck not staying on board with Batman and, and whether he wants to just do so in a directorial way or, or if it's going to be in an acting capacity. It's all kind of been in flux lately, so there's the talk of what will happen if he gets ousted, then, you know, who else is going to be Batman, and then how are you going to play that off? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm definitely going to go into this more going into the future because a lot of it's speculative now, so I want to talk about it when it's more concrete. Because I've definitely got a lengthy <laughs> list of people I want to suggest to be Batman. But it's more about what people... What, what will be accepted as an okay way to shoehorn in a new actor without it being completely destructive and disruptive to the 
the flow of the universe. Because it's tough. I mean, I always laugh at the Fandral example, I call it, where you have, um, in Thor 1, you have one of the Warriors 3, the sort of, like, blonde swashbuckling dude, Fandral, um, played by one guy, and he didn't really do much. He's more of a background character. And then in Thor 2, The Dark World, Fandral is inexplicably played by a different guy who looks similar, but, like, is definitely a different guy. And they just roll with it. And these, I think he's continued, I think, because he was in Thor Ragnarok as well. So you can do that. He dies in Ragnarok, uh, BT-dubs. You can totally just ignore it and, and <laughs> just continue with the whole, like, Gal Gadot, um, Ezra Miller, excuse me, like, Justice League storyline and just instead of Ben Affleck have it be um, you know X person but I think the audience is always a little bit insulted by that and I think the audience is always a little curious and left wanting of an answer as to why it's suddenly a different character and for me um, for me especially when it's an unexplained change to something that is, is that substantial of a movie and is that um, expecting to be amazing, it totally takes me out of it. If I was to sit down for the opening of The Batman, the new um, Batman standalone film that Ben Affleck directed, but um, George Clooney played Batman, I'm just an example. <laughs> Do it right this time, George. Um, I actually think there's something to it. I think he's become... He could definitely play an older Batman. As long as he did it properly. He, def he admits he didn't do it properly. Everyone can fuck up a day of work, so... I don't know. Make sure that you have some, like, heavy... Source material... Um, experts and, and continuity people on there to make sure that, like, he's not... Making Batman a socially awkward gay man again. His words. Um, that's a different role altogether. Be that is Night Owl. Like, well, no. Sans the gay. Socially awkward. Sexually challenged, in a way. I guess in the comics. Because that sort of suits required for erections. But that, I think, we'll go into another time. So, if you have a new Batman movie coming out, and you're going to take out Ben Affleck, you either have to absolutely slap the audience in the face and not talk about it, and just swap him out for George Clooney or whomever, and just pretend that we're all people living with Vaseline rubbed on our eyeballs or you do the sensible thing, you build into the story why Batflick is stepping down in the universe not hard there's a lot of source material to look to you have firstly the awesome fucking Batman Beyond show where Bruce passes it down in his really old state to, to uh, Terry McGinnis I think his name is and that's cool um, in a lot of the sort of Alex Ross works uh, you can see especially Kingdom Come you see an older Batman have to not as much delegate it and pass it on but deal with being an older man in, in the role uh, a lot of short stories in uh, Tales of the Dark Knight and uh, some older stuff where he's sort of cave bound while the successful older now Robins take care of the city I think that's always the one that has like Commissioner Gordon and it's Barbara no longer Batgirl. Well, I, I think she... No, she shows up in a police mobile. Yeah, she's not a... 
a mask anymore. Um, if you want to take Baflick out of it, because you've already played up how battle-scarred and how long he's been at this, have him pass it along. I mean, just introduce introduce uh, someone who could take that off of him. There was actually a really interesting story I, I was uh, reading where Zack Snyder had confirmed in like an AMA on some forum or Reddit or something. I saw the post. He apparently confirmed... Well, not, <laughs> not apparently. He had confirmed that the Robin we see being um, mourned, like the suit and the reference to the dead Robin, that's actually uh, Dick Grayson, not Jason Todd. So uh, Jason Todd had always been, <laughs> as Jeff said, dying is all he has as a character. So that had always been what defined him. So people had assumed that the you know, the dead bird was our Jason, but alas, no, Dick. Which really sucks, because I was hoping Nightwing would make an appearance, as my solution to replacing Batflick was that you skip Robin, unfortunately, for cinematic reasons, for now. Come back to it later, Damien. Get to that. But you don't have uh, a Robin, you have Nightwing, who returns from Bloodhaven, um... Experienced, trained, wizened. Sorry, I need some water. Uh, anyone that doesn't know, just in case, Bloodhaven is the like sister city to Gotham right beside it. That's where a lot of uh, the Nightwing and Teen Titans stuff um, tends to go down. I think you have an older Nightwing come into Gotham, into the the movie and assist Bruce, and I think, obviously, because he was Robin and he's younger, the age difference means that he's sort of, not necessarily in his prime, but he's definitely in his functioning, like, you know, 40s or something. Maybe he's in his prime. We'll do him in, like, the 30s, late 30s. I don't know, but you can have him start to take over as Batman, very similar to the sort of, like, Grant Morrison, um, Batman and Robin run, where it was uh, Grayson taking over from Bruce and wearing the mantle, but taking Damien along as his Robin. So it was really a great run. Um, I thought it really offered a lot. The chemistry and the, the dynamics there are great. But obviously I don't think you're going to have the <laughs> Damien in, in the film, so just as a standalone, Dick Grayson Robin really does bring a lot to the character, though. You have a chance to see a Batman that is lighthearted and, and fun and there's that like humor and brevity there but not in the way we're used to where the only funny Batman stuff is like the silly 60s and it's actually extremely quality Batman uh, casework and he's got the acrobatics fights like a ninja he's actually a lot faster than Bruce and, and if you've been a fan and you've read all their fights over the years anytime they've been like mind controlled or had a really intense bat fam therapy sesh it's always it comes down to Bruce swings harder, but Dick uh, swings more often. He's faster. Um, really good stuff to read into. But you can have Nightwing come in, played by I don't know if it was up to me, it would honestly be um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, just because I was really into him taking up a mantle and and putting the cape and cowl or, or putting on the green tights, putting something on at the end of. Uh, uh, the Dark Knight Rises. 
but that's wishful thinking. So you have somebody come in as Nightwing, take that mantle from Bruce. If you want, you can have a Robin that's been established. I think the best thing that we could have done was uh, incorporate the Teen Titans and then explain that's why we haven't seen Robin, because he's been there. Because if you have a Suicide Squad, it's kind of strange, you know, the Teen Titans. There's how many cartoons over the ages? And I know there's this live-action show or movie, and it just it, it, it looks so bad. And I'm, I hate that I'm saying that, because I really want everything comic-related to be good. And that's the difference, because... I mean, I'll go back to why this show's called uh, Dork and Beans. I mean, Dork is just... I don't know. Everybody says that shit. Dork, nerd, whatever. It just it means you like culture things, and you're not just like, oh, all I can talk about is golf and country clubs. I like sports, and my local uh, sports teams are extremely fun to watch. I uh, like the program Suits, and uh, cracking a cold one open with the boys, <laughs> which is also a may-may I saw online. Yeah, so anyway... Beans is because I was told I complain about stuff a lot, and that's just not it, though. It's not complaining. I think that certain things require... There's a lot of effort that obviously is being put into this show, this this Titan show, movie, situation. But it looks like shit, so I don't understand why it couldn't not look like shit because there is no shortage of people in the world who could give you examples of how it should look or better direction or indeed just teach you about the source material. So, I hate going into stuff with a negative mentality because it's not fair. I gotta give things a fair shake. There have been some movies that I've gone into absolutely disinterested and... uh, so not involved, and I've wound up loving them. There's actually, oh fuck, I can't remember the name of it. Um, I've been trying to remember the name of it for years. I was having like a extremely rough night, and I went to my buddy Nigel's place, and he had a film uh, that he was watching, and so we started it from the beginning, and it was like a Japanese woman that was like obsessed with the Fargo VHS. Was, I can't remember it. It was so lovely though. It blew my mind. It was like high as fuck. And it was, uh, haven't seen it since. It's one of those you watch it once and it stays with you and you're not really even sure why. But no, I'm trying to be an optimist about the DC stuff, especially because I'm going to subscribe to DC Universe. They're like pay per view Netflix with old and new shows. So I want it to be good, but honestly, like, what's well, really low expectation at this point? I could have I could have told them or directed for them or written or drawn or anything for them a better show than some of the stuff I've seen, and that's a person with none of those talents in those fields, just because I know what these people should look like. I mean they're in the comics. Look look no further at least than that. <laughs> so I don't know. At the end of the day I got a little off track, as per usual, but if you're gonna take out the Batfleck you really have to have someone who's there to fill it in, and your choices are limited to a Robin who you haven't established, Nightwing or Dick from Bloodhaven or pulled out of submission or something is a solid choice. You got Asriel, who's a possibility if you want to be stupid about it and get like a... I don't know... two-dimensional crusading Batman... 
Azrael's cool, and the show Gotham actually does a pretty sweet take on it. But you really change the entire what Batman is about if that's what you're using. So it would just be a very strange place to go. That being said, Wonder Woman has that sort of um, blades, blades, claws, fangs type of like melee themes in her shit, so Azrael could fight side by side with that, and it would work pretty well. But, uh, yeah, so you can have Jean-Paul Valley step in as the crusading Batman substitute. You can have um, Commissioner Gordon don some variation of the suit, as we see now in the sort of... I think it is... Um, uh, I don't want to be wrong about it. The new, the Batman, uh, it was the new 52 run. I want to say it was like, uh, it was Jim. I don't know. I can't see it from where I'm sitting on my shelf, which is frustrating me. So I'm going to get back to that one later. But you have a Commissioner Gordon who's kicking ass in like a robotic Batman mech suit. But it's not clunky. It's very slim. And it's certainly not Batman. But it does the job in terms of regular high-level Batman-esque crime response. So you can have someone fill in a, in a mech suit. At the end of the day, I mean, you can find all these solutions, but I really think it's just weakening your, your total outcome. You're not getting the team at their best. You're not even getting... Uh, you want... Bruce Wayne Batman. I mean, not just as a Batman fan do I say that, but as just as a person who likes comics, you want Batman who is the Batman through and through, not someone who's wearing the cape and cowl because they're taking it up or because Bruce is dead. You, you want the dude that in his brain genuinely thinks he's Batman. He's the truest, purest form of the character. People can say, yeah, it's time to see a different take on it, and if it's good, that's fine, but I just think that it's a recipe for disaster if you're going to take out someone who's actually a surprisingly good fit and is kind of tent-poling this for the rest of them, and uh, it's risky business to replace him. I'm definitely going to be binge-watching uh, a lot of DC stuff soon because I'm looking to buy the Justice League Blu-ray do a bunch of Blu-ray shops. I have this really good... Uh, actually, my wife and I have a really good way of doing it because we love to just... When you're going to buy one movie, it's hard to not buy like a bunch because you want to see them all equally. So we do it at like Walmart and just like buy all of them at once because Walmart Video has like so many Blu-rays. Yeah, it's one of the weird parts of becoming like a suburbanite after living downtown in the city. You, you start to go to Walmart and then you realize Walmart has everything. <laughs> so... All right, then. I'll be at it again soon. Um, until next time, friends. See you later.